everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Poliafito, and I'm here today with Dr. Dennis Marcus, who is a practicing retina specialist, also professor of ophthalmology at the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University in Augusta, Georgia. Dennis, welcome to Retina Synthesis, or welcome back to Retina Synthesis. Thank you, Carmen. Good to see you. You gave a very intriguing paper at the American Society of Retina Specialists about DRCR Network Protocol AA, of which you are the protocol chair, which is looking at the role of wide field imaging in the management of diabetic retinopathy. So we'd like to talk about that today. Sure. Um, protocol AA was sought out to evaluate uh, some of the work that uh, Jenny Sun, uh, Lloyd, Paul Aiello, and Paulo Silva did with wide field imaging and continue to do of looking at peripheral diabetic retinopathy lesions, whether they improve the ability to predict worsening. Previous studies have been done uh, by them and other authors with regard to that uh, predominantly peripheral lesions outside the seven standard fields, that they ha have a prediction of uh, patients uh, worsening diabetic retinopathy over time. And probably somewhere between these previous studies showed that on color wide field photography that having predominantly peripheral lesions greater than 50% outside the seven standard fields on wide field imaging, uh, about 15% of those patients had a, uh, a potential for greater uh, retinopathy worsening over time. So protocol AA was a prospective four-year longitudinal study within the DRCR retina network. Uh, evaluating diabetic patients with one eye, at least one eye with non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy and no DME center involving. And it was visits for four years and it was observational to see who got worse and graded uh, the wide field images over time with PPL or predominantly peripheral lesions uh, defined as in any field or any lesion type, whether it be Irma, microaneurysms and hemorrhages, even NVE or venous beating, most identified Irma and hemorrhages microaneurysms were the greatest, whether when an eye was defined as having PPL at baseline, did this imaging both on color wide field and fluorescein wide field images when graded by a center, central reading center, could this uh, predict which eyes get worse? worse with time with regard to a primary outcome of two-step worsening of the severity level based on grading within those seven standard fields on wide field images. Um, and as a primary outcome inclusive, any treatment for DR, uh, for diabetic retinopathy and not for DME or other diseases like retinal vein occlusion. So the primary outcome being two-step worsening on severity level or treatment for DR. And uh, interestingly, the outcome through four years, uh, just to review, we had about 367 participants, 544 eyes, and uh, about 77% of uh, patients completed uh, the four-year uh, evaluation, just under 50% of Patients had both eyes enrolled in the study. 
at baseline, uh, patients had a wide variation of non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy from mild to very severe NPDR. So there was a good variation in baseline grading on those masked seven standard fields. Um, so a baseline PPL on color images, wide field images were present in 41% of eyes and on FA PPL, 46% PPL was present. Now it's important, as we all know, from looking at wide field fluorescein, it provides so much more information just intuitively. And I think that it's important to realize that this is one of the first studies to, to note that there was discordance of FA and color PPL. 37% of eyes were discordant whether PPL was present or absent color ultra-wide field images versus fluorescein images. Um, so basically the primary outcome, DR worsening over four years based on whether PPL was present or not. Color PPL, surprisingly, and not consistent with previous stu studies, color PPL did not predict diabetic retinopathy worsening. So patients or eyes at baseline with color PPL present, 38% worsened over four years as the primary outcome. And if color PPL wasn't present, 43% of eyes worsened. So there was no predictive value in this study of color PPL leading to worsened uh, DR by two steps or treatment for DR, interestingly enough. And this was the, the same lack of risk for color PPL was present at all baseline levels of retinopathy or location or lesion type that defined PPL. So this was somewhat uh, uh, against what was previous previously found in previous studies uh, that color PPL in this large longitudinal well-performed study didn't show a risk. However, FA PPL, when identified by ultra-wide field FA PPL when present, did denote a risk of diabetic retinopathy worsening over the four years. FA PPL, if present, uh, was present, uh, denoted diabetic retinopathy worsening in 50% of eyes versus if FA PPL was absent at baseline, only 31% of eyes were developed DR worsening. And this was the case, FAPPL predicting increased worsening for all baseline levels of retinopathy. It statistically increased the risk of development of PDR. So FAPPL was a risk factor for PDR developing, and it was consistent for all lesion types, and especially in the somewhat supranasal and infranasal field when PPL was present. And there was a set, so FAPPL denoted a 1.7 risk. Uh, so it really clarifies what we see clinically that FAP ultra wide field imaging uh, increases the risk and can be valuable in looking at uh, both uh, providing out outcomes for patients as far as predicting risk, uh, timing of interval of, of their next exam, as well as hopefully more able to be an aid in clinical research as well in developing other staging systems. And we can stop there. Paulo Silva at the ASRS presented even the more interesting 
uh, evaluations of non-perfusion evaluation on the fluorescine and risk of DR worsening over time, which I can outline unless you have questions at this point. I'd like to hear about the what uh, Dr. Silver presented. I think it's of so, interest to the audience. Yeah. So we know that the ETDRS only looked at two posterior fields uh, on fluorescein. And so we really have not had a study of risk of peripheral visual field lesions. And with this data set, um, basically non-perfusion index was graded by a centralized grading uh, center uh, with respect to NPI, non-perfusion index, being the gradable area throughout the retina on ultra-wide field images as the denominator. And the numerator is how much non-perfusion area is local, localized. So the NPI or non-perfusion index is a good grade for uh, how much non-perfusion, which we see so greatly on ultra-wide field fluorescein angiography. And sure enough, I think this is the, the great data and part of the great uh, database that of this large longitudinal study. First of all, baseline DR severity was associated with NPI and non-perfusion. Interestingly, consistent with the DR worsening data that color PPL wasn't associated with overall NPI and non-perfusion, but uh, similarly, uh, FA PPL was associated with overall non-perfusion. And this was located uh, within the, uh, the uh, mid-periphery and peripheral zones. And then with regard to association of diabetic retinopathy worsening, uh, the level of non-perfusion was associated with the primary outcome of DR worsening. If I had no non-perfusion at baseline, there was only a 26% of worsening over four years as the primary outcome. And if uh, I was in the high non-perfusion index category, 46% uh, of those eyes had, uh, had a four-year risk of worsening. Non-perfusion was associated statistically with development of PDR as expected and development of vitreous hemorrhage. And those are the key important clinical outcomes that it's clear that, uh, that non-perfusion uh, can predict worsening of retinopathy uh, when based on fluorescein. And also the confounding factors uh, such as baseline level of retinopathy, it was found in multivariate analysis that both retinal non-perfusion and FAPPL were both independently associated with DR worsening over time. So I think that this study uh, supports uh, that non-perfusion and FAPPL are important. And I think that this data set can provide us with the ability potentially to uh, evaluate a new staging system. We know some of the, although the, the seven standard field, which only evaluates 32% or so of the retina, the seven standard fields have been a valuable predictor and staging of diabetic retinopathy over time, but clearly FA provides so much more. And I think that this data set can provide us with a new, uh, more modern staging systems and clinical research, as well as uh, 
maybe uh, suggesting that we should use this more often. Certainly I do in clinical practice and have always felt that we learn and identify so much more with baseline fluorescein angiography wide field. And uh, I think that it'll help us advance in helping patients know their risk factors, timing of exams and so forth. So I think uh, there's more to come with this data, but, but I think that uh, it certainly supports greater use of uh, ultra-wide field fluorescing. So how, does, uh, how has this impacted the way in which you manage your diabetic patients day to day? So I think, uh, I think I've interestingly recognized this back when I got out of uh, residency and fellowship, and, and I think it still stands that the AAO recommendation for evaluating uh, and diagnostic testing of diabetic retinopathy was at that time when the, the pre-anti-VEGF uh, era and laser was the predominant treatment for diabetic retinopathy. It was get a fluorescein to help guide your treatment with laser of ma diabetic macular edema, but a fluorescein wasn't necessary to evaluate diabetic retinopathy. And what I noticed as I was treating patients for diabetic macular edema and getting fluorescein's non-wide field at the time was that it really didn't help me guide my laser very much. Uh, but what it did do in many cases as I uh, asked for peripheral views is identify things like neovascularization more frequently than evidenced on clinical exam. And right. I, I, I've always felt that fluorescein is a much more sensitive uh, uh, testing than clinical examination because I think the problem is many diabetics with proliferative disease are young uh, or phakic and less cooperative even on the exam to be as accurate. So I think this confirms uh, my belief after uh, getting ultra-wide field fluorescein in the last five to 10 years and seeing how much it provides that I've been getting ultra-wide field fluorescein at baseline on my patients for a while. And I think it's always helped identify proliferative diabetic retinopathy, uh, level of ischemia, and helped uh, really a, a assess the eye and the pathophysiology greater than my exam or color fo photographs. I think more importantly, in the era of looking at earlier treatment for DR, whether it be intravitreal anti-VEGF injections, which are a great treatment burden and haven't been uh, readily adopted by the retinal community, certainly with an emphasis of looking at both oral drugs and topical uh, drops, as well as maybe some more durable anti-VEGF platform, whether it be the PDS or gene therapy in the future, I think that this becomes even more important with respect to assessing uh, experimental treatments that are, that are now being evaluated and uh, trying to assess eyes that are at greatest risk of worsening and maybe find a more um, relevant treatment than the treatment burden of intravitreal anti-VEGF therapy for prevention of progression of diabetic retinopathy. So do you think that wide field imaging has replaced the 30 degree camera? You know, in my mind, it, it has with respect to, I think it provides me more information in taking care of patients. I think we still can't go away from the fact in clinical research of the seven standard fields 
color photography still remains our gold standard for clinical research. But I think that this data certainly pushes us. And I think the, the DRCR DR, retina network will take this data set and really develop uh, more pertinent information and maybe better information as far as grading of retinopathy and creating a different scale, I hope, to uh, better uh, relate to treatments and, and clinical research as well as uh, maybe creating algorithms or FA surrogates to better predict worsening and timing of uh, interval of examinations for our patients. The, um, is the quality of the images on wide field the same as seven, seven field? So the, certainly the, we all know that there's a level of resolution depending upon the camera. And there are many different factors, especially on the color images with the fluorescein, it's, it's, there's greater contrast. So the quality seems better. That being said, the DRCR network did compare uh, digital uh, seven standard field images to the seven standard field, ultra wide field images, and they were comparable in grading retinopathy. Uh, there were some discrepancies with respect to uh, in this study of the association of baseline retinopathy levels and progression of retinopathy with the ultra wide field seven standard fields that are somewhat puzzling. Um, when we looked at the baseline non wide field ETGRS. Uh, seven standard field color imaging that was consistent with previous studies that have been done that with increasing levels of retinopathy, there was increased uh, diabetic retinopathy worsening. So there's some question of, of why that occurred in this study that we, we haven't been able to answer. Certainly just intuitively when looking at images, it's clear that uh, the fluorescenes are um, much more informative than color, which mm -hmm. can sometimes have some compromised resolution. And uh, I've certainly felt for a long time, as I said, that fluorescein was most valuable. And I think this confirms it. So uh, how do you use angiography these days in your practice in, in evaluating patients? So I think most diabetics, patients with very mild non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy, often I don't obtain fluorescein angiography wide field, but patients with uh, significant levels of retinopathy, I often get a baseline ultra wide field fluorescein and have. So this study just supports, I think what I've been doing, but I think especially in uh, the younger type one diabetics who are, who are more ischemic, have featureless retina, not, not many hemorrhages and microaneurysms that are obvious, those patients that you suspect Irma or ischemia, um, I think it's very important um, to help define whether these patients have neovascularization. And there's so many of those type of patients through the years uh, that ultra wide fields has helped identify. Yes, this patient surprisingly has a lot of neovascularization, not, not uh, obvious on clinical examination. Does the status of peripheral perfusion observed in this study have anything to do with the development of clinically significant macular edema? Um, I think very few eyes in this study developed DME. I don't think we've, we've looked at that. I think that's an interesting question. I think certainly other studies have shown that the level of, of non-perfusion and 
or at least lasering the peripheral retina do, doesn't help diabetic macular edema well, but that would be an interesting question. I don't think that's been looked at yet. But I mean, as a, as a, which, which fundus features were the most prone to predict disease progression? So as far as this study, not many yes. eyes developed DME and all eyes here at baseline didn't have DME. So I don't think that we've looked at whether non-perfusion at baseline predicts who'll develop DME because the primary outcome was if, you, if you've got DME, those eyes were, were censored at the time. So the primary outcome was treatment for DR and not DME. Mm -hmm. That would be an interesting question of does and was NPI associated with development of center-involved DME? I don't think we've looked at that yet. Is there a follow-on study? So I think this, this uh, data set is so broad uh, that many studies are, will, and further analysis will be coming. As far as follow-up studies, no, but I think the data set will provide us with a wealth of additional analyses, such as the, the question you proposed. Uh, there are different uh, manufacturers of wide field cameras, Optos, Zeiss, the Zeiss Claris. Uh, does the, the size of the visual field relevant here? Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously wasn't looked at. Um, most of the cameras were, well, all of the cameras were Optos TX because they were de defined and FDA approved based on, uh, I, I think there was some data to support the use of Optos based on their, their FDA approval of the, of the cameras. Um, Claris was not evaluated in this study. Obviously, Claris is a little different in how the images are obtained and montaged than Optos and the obviously the technology is different. Also, uh, Optos TX cameras uh, were used and now there's the Optos California camera, which uh, has greater resolution on color images and, uh, uh, but the mainstay of images in this study was the Optos. So looking at difference, differences in cameras and, and uh, imaging systems were not evaluated, but it would be interesting to know whether other imaging devices are better, worse, the same outcomes. I would imagine uh, they're not too different. Well, it's certainly clear that you can't really practice state-of-the-art diabetic retinopathy evaluation without wide field imaging. I, I tend to agree. And I think that this study supports uh, that what we've been looking at intuitively that it does provide so much more information and it supports that it, it uh, should be uh, incorporated with examinations, color photography, and is uh, over, over and above can predict worsening of retinopathy. Well, thanks a lot, Dennis, for your time and uh, love to have you back as this field continues to emerge. Thank you, Carmen.